Hey, I want to just welcome everybody into our program this morning. Wherever you're watching us around the world, we are so delighted that you're a part of this program this morning, Running With Fire, being filmed here in West Auckland, New Zealand. We trust you're going to be blessed, inspired, and encouraged by this message. And hey, while you're at it, why don't you tell someone else to tune in to Running With Fire television. This morning, I want to continue speaking today about this whole theme of hope. We started it last week. It's one of the most powerful and important emotions and forces in our lives. We need hope to keep going. And yet we live in a world where multitudes of people have lost all hope. We live in quite a hopeless world, really, but the Bible has got some good news for us. And we're going to start today in Romans 15 and verse 13, and we read these tremendous words. Now, may the God of hope fill you with all hope and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Isn't it good that abounding in hope is not up to you? But it's by the power of the Holy Spirit. God himself can cause you to abound in hope. Worldly hope is very uncertain. It's like maybe something good is going to happen, but (laughs) I don't think so. It probably won't. That's nothing like Bible hope. Bible hope can be defined as a steady, confident expectation of good. Every day of your life, God wants you to wake up with this confident expectation something good is going to happen today. If you don't have that in your spirit, you are being robbed by Satan, who is a thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and to rob us of what is ours from God. So I pray that through the course of this message, something will spark in your heart, and you'll begin to be one of those people that every day has a steady, confident expectation of good. Psalm 23, verse 6, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. It doesn't say some of the days of my life. Every day, God's goodness is chasing you. Every day, you can experience the the kindness and the the mercy and the favor of God. Not because I'm telling you that, but that's what my Bible teaches. How many of you know that the Bible does not lie? That God does not lie? And if he says goodness and mercy follow you every day, then, hey, it should be a reality. If you are not experiencing that, can I say again? The thief has somehow got into your life and is robbing you of what is rightfully yours. Go down to the enemy's camp today and take back what the enemy has stolen from you today. Romans 15 verse 13 says that you may abound in hope. It comes from a Greek word which means to superabound, to have an excess. Imagine yourself now as a person with just this overflowing excess of hope. So, and people are going to look at you and say, what's with you? You know, are you on drugs or something? You been some heroin or marijuana or you been drinking? And you say, no, 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 I'm just, I'm just full of hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And you're probably thinking, gosh, I'd love to meet that person. Guess what? You should be that person. That's what my Bible says, that you should overflow with hope every single day, abounding, excessive, effervescent hope Because of the God who lives within you. That's what the Bible teaches. So often, friends, we allow ourselves to live way below the standards of this book. 
And we just expect, no, well, look, my life's just pretty miserable. And quite frankly, you know, hope's a good thing, but hey, there's no way I'm going to be one of those bubbly Christians overflowing with hope. Sometimes we think that, don't we? And we accept a lifestyle way below what God intended. Instead of flying like eagles, we're pecking around in the dust like hens and chickens. Stop being a chicken. Become an eagle. Begin to walk in what God planned and purposed and designed for your life. Is there an amen somewhere in the house today? We allow the devil to cheat us. You've got to walk and live based on what this book says. And don't accept less than that. That's what I want to encourage you. In the Bible, you know, Christians really should be the most hope-filled people on the planet. Why? Because the God of hope actually lives inside of us. Think about it. Inside of you, there's this God. And he's just got this massive astronomical amount of hope. And so we, in a world that's hopeless, can walk with our heads held high, filled with hope to overflowing and abounding. Did you know that in the New Testament alone, the word hope occurs 50 times? Five, zero? Do you know why that is? I think God knew that you and I would need hope, an injection of hope, every week. So 50 times for the year, it's one for every day of the week. God will fill you with hope. And as you read the Bible, one week you can just get another injection of hope. And then the following week you read another injection of hope. And every week God has a word of hope for you and for me. Someone said, and I'm not sure how they worked this out, but they said that the worst thing about hell is there's no hope. So there's no hope that the, the suffering will ever end. There's no hope that the torment and the fire and the, and the misery and the anguish and the lostness and the darkness and the blackness, it's just never, ever going to end. It's going to go on for hundreds and thousands and millions and billions of years. You're just in the, the deepest, darkest pit of despair, and there's not one ounce of hope in hell that it will ever change. You see, hope, friends, is such a powerful, important force in our lives. And the devil knows how important hope is in your life. We often talk about faith, don't we? We don't talk enough about hope. We always think, you know, the devil's just trying to get my faith. He's just trying to get my faith. Yes, he is, but I guarantee at the same time, he's also trying to get your hope. Because if he knows, if he gets your hope, he's got you. Because when you don't have hope, it's hard to keep going. So he's after your hope. Right now, tell the person next to you, the devil's after your hope today. There's two dangers of losing hope. And the first danger is backsliding and sin. When some Christians lose hope for healing or breakthrough in their circumstances, maybe in their finances, their marriage, their kids, when they lose hope that it's going to change, there's a real danger of backsliding. There's a real danger of walking away from God. And you and I all know people that somewhere along the line, things happen, they lost hope that it would ever change, and now they're no longer in the house of God because hope is such a powerful, powerful force in our lives. In fact, when people lose hope, they live hopeless lives, and they do hopeless things. They do things that you... Have you ever watched people do some stuff? And you know, you, you know that they're putting their life at risk, their family at risk. You think, what? how can you be so stupid? Anyone else like that think that? 
Do you know why they do that? Sometimes they might say, yes, I might die, but I don't care. There's no hope anyway. I don't have a future. If I die, well, that's what happens when people have lost hope. It's a very dangerous place to be in. If you have lost hope, can I say to you, please don't make any decisions. Please don't make any changes to your life if you've lost hope, because when you've lost hope, what you're going to, what's going to happen is your emotions are going to dictate what you do. And the chances are you're going to do the wrong thing. We're not led by emotions. Yeah. We're led by the Holy Spirit. And, and the, I always say to people, never make a decision until, you're, the, until the boat is back in harbor and there's peace. Yeah. Then you can see clearly to do the right thing. A loss of hope is a very dangerous place to be in. So just be very, very careful. Because the other thing that happens when we lose hope is we give up. Proverbs 13 verse 12 says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Sick heart, but a desire fulfilled is a, tree of li- is a tree of life. See, when there is no hope, there's often no endeavor. You, you, you stop trying. For example, you may have been trying to sort your marriage out or something out in your life, and you've been trying for months and months, maybe years, and it's just not changed. You've come to every prayer meeting there is, but nothing's changed, and slowly but surely you're losing your hope. And when that happens, if you lose hope that it's ever going to change, then it's easy to give up. Because, see, hope energizes you to keep going. There's a story in the book uh, of, called Unfinished Business, and a man shares about this little town called Flagstaff. And what had happened, I don't fully understand the story, <clears throat> but the town was going to be flooded, and the government was building this large dam. And so in the months and years during the dam construction, all the repairs and improvements in the town stopped, and no one did anything to their homes. And the thinking was, why paint your house? Why repair anything when it could soon be covered in water and flooded? And so week by week, the town actually fell apart as if it was abandoned, like no one living there. Where there is no hope for the future, listen, there's no power in the present to do what you need to do to do the things that God wants you to do because hope is an incredibly energizing and a powerful force to keep us moving forward. You need hope to press on. You need hope to press through circumstances that are adverse and that are against you. Hope sustains you when circumstances say quit, when people say give up, when the future looks bleak, hope sustains you to keep on keeping on. And the God of hope lives in you. Christians should never, ever, ever, ever quit or give up because God of hope keeps filling us with hope, keeps filling us with the thought of a steady, confident expectation of good so we can push through every hindrance, every obstacles, every difficulty because the God of hope energizes us and empowers us to keep on moving forward. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 6, verse 18. Hebrews in chapter 6. Are you all right out there? Okay, Hebrews 6, 18. I'm going to just read verse 19. This hope we have as an anchor of our soul, both sure and steadfast. Hope is an anchor for our souls. You know, boats have an anchor. And the reason for the anchor is to hold it steady. So you think of a boat. 
It's anchored to the ground, some solid rock or ground underneath. So when the winds come and the waves come and the tempest blows, that boat is not going to be shipwrecked against the rocks. It's not going to be destroyed and damaged. Why? Because the anchor holds it firm in the tempest. And the Bible says that for us, hope is an anchor. And so when we're going through the storms and the challenges and battles of life, then the the anchor of hope holds us steady. It holds us firm. We are anchored to Christ Jesus, the rock of ages. He is immovable, unshakable, unbreakable. Nothing can overcome the God of hope that we love and that we serve. And so hope is this anchor. Now, this hope may not stop the storm. It may not even calm the storm. But guess what? It'll carry you through the storm to the other side until you're in a place of overcoming and a place of victory. See, hope is an anchor, something we can hold on to in all the events of life. Jesus is our anchor. He is our rock, and he's unshakable. So let's go to Romans chapter 5, and we're going to see a very interesting passage of Scripture. And it's from verse 3 to 5. And not only this, but we also glory in tribulations. Okay, stop there. How many of you are glorying in tribulations? Raise your hand. One. Yeah, about the same as the first service. The Bible says glory in tribulations, so why are you all disobeying? Like I am as well. We're all disobeyed. But then it says, um, glory and tribulations, knowing. See, because you know something. What do you have to know to glory and tribulations? It says, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. I wonder how many of us would like perseverance in our lives. Wouldn't we all? Then perseverance produces character. You want to be more like Jesus? Want to be transformed? Tribulations, glory in them, then perseverance, then character doesn't stop there. And character produces hope. And that hope does not disappoint us. The love of God's poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Can you see this unusual progression of thought? That we glory in tribulations, then we get perseverance, which produces character, which then produces hope. And you sort of think to yourself, that just sounds ridiculous. Like, how can that be? Friends, the reason it can be is because of the fact that God is with you and that God is with me. And because of that, because of the God factor, what should ruin you, what should destroy you, what should defeat you, God takes it and turns turns it all around and produces out of that something amazing so that your life is a blessing to others and he brings you into victory and you have a greater impact than you might have ever had before. And the only reason is, friends, is because that God is with you. And Romans 8, 28 is true. God works all things or everything together for good for them that love God. So what should have been your ruin for a non-believer who hasn't got God with them becomes for your favor, comes for your blessing, comes for a brighter and a better future than you would have ever had because God is at work in your heart and in your life. You see, it says Romans, it says, uh, you know, God works all things 
or God works everything together for good for them that love God. Now, you know, I know when I t- say that to people, a lot of people think, yeah, 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 everything but not what I'm going through. No, not my thing. You know, it's everything but this. What I, what I suffered or what I've gone through is so bad, so terrible, so horrific, there's no way that that can be included in that scripture, that God works all things. Well, so what I did is I got those words, all things, and I studied it and I researched it in the Hebrew, the Greek, the Latin, the French, the Chinese, the Japanese, the Samoan, the Tongan, the Fijian, um, the Indian, and in the English. And I researched it, and it took me quite a long time. And, you know, so when it says um, God works all things together, for us, I made an incredible discovery. It really surprised me that all things, do you know what it actually means? It means all things. Hello? It means your thing. Your thing. Whatever it is. You have to believe that. Because if you don't, your thing's going to destroy you. It's going to wreck your life. You're going to end up bitter and twisted and upset and angry and a pain in the neck to everyone around you. Unless you believe what God's word Says, And if God says all things, I think he means what he says. God's word is true. It's a lie. So in your trial today, your setback, your disappointment, as you respond right to God, he's going to use it to produce in your life perseverance, character, hope, and I'd add to that great blessing in your life. Joseph was born in Dublin in 1820. And he's engaged to this beautiful woman. But on the eve of the wedding, tragically, she drowns in a pond. Night before the wedding. And he is absolutely broken. And he really struggles to to get over this situation. So what he does is he decides that he's going to just travel in order to overcome his, his broken heart. He ends up in Canada, becomes a strong Christian, and then he works tirelessly for poor widows and sick people. Such is the impact of his life that in Port Hope, Canada, there's now a monument being erected to the life of Joseph. Out of great tribulation, God has worked perseverance And God has caused his life to have an impact that it never otherwise would have had. But the story doesn't end there. What no one knew about Joseph was he also had poetic gifts. And so when he was ill, a friend discovered a poem he had written to his mother during his time of great sadness. Joseph never wanted anyone to know about that poem, but they found it and it was put to music. And on the gospel songs charts, it always polled right near the very top. Do you want to know what that poem was that was put to music? It's a great hymn. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Friends, Joseph Scriven faced tribulation. It produced perseverance, character, and hope. What should have ruined him, what could have ruined him, God worked so much good that his life impacted the world. Friends, that's the God we serve. That that which should be your ruin. 
that which should destroy you, that, should, that which should leave you bitter and twisted and disappointed and angry, God, the God, this amazing God we serve, can take it and turn it all around and produce out of it this incredible good that you look back and stand in awe of the God that you serve. Friends, believe the Scriptures. Believe the God of hope that's living in you today and can transform any circumstance that you are facing. You might say to me, Tart, you don't know what I'm facing. No, I don't know what, I'm fa- what you're facing, but I do know what the book says. I do know what the Bible says. And he says he works all things together for good. And that you can overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So how are you going to have hope? Let me give you some practical um, instruction on this. Let's go to Romans 15 verse 4. And the first way to get hope is through the, through the Bible or through the Word of God. Romans 15 verse 4 says, For whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we through the patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. Over the years when I've struggled with different situations, again and again, as I've turned to the Word of God, I have found hope uh, come into my life, come into my heart. Friends, anybody in this auditorium who will be a student of God's Word, who will study this book, will always be filled with an overflow of hope in their lives. And so Satan has a major goal in your life, and he must do everything and anything he can. He's got to keep you from the book. If he can keep you from the book, he's going to keep you from faith. He's going to keep you from hope. And you will be paralyzed by difficult situations and, and, and difficult circumstances that confront your life. So friends, whatever you do, don't let the enemy rob you. Don't let him keep you away from this book. And I'm not talking about reading a verse a day or you know, just a chapter a day. I'm talking about reading, you know, I would suggest half an hour a day. But if you can't do that, at least... Go for 20 minutes or more so that you're actually getting into this book. You're actually devouring it, and God will fill you with hope, all the hope that you will ever need. I don't think it's a big investment to have heaps of hope because God's done it for me. He can do it for you as well. A woman was dying. She'd lost all hope. She felt God had left her, forsaken her. And a minister visited her, And he felt he left no seed of hope. But he returned later on, and she's transformed. He thought, wow, what happened? Well, what happened was that as she was lying in that bed, this doctor walked past and addressed her and got no response. And as he left, he just said, my name is Dr. Heaven. And that was it. The lady says in her testimony, when she heard that word heaven, it was irrational, but she thought, God must be here. Hope was born in her heart. Then she began to recite this verse. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And as she rehearsed that verse, friends, God's healing power began to flow. And this woman who was dying was completely healed by God's power and by hope that was planted in her heart. Don't we serve an amazing God? Can you see how powerful hope is? Just a smidgen of hope can just electrify you and enhance your life to do and get through what you may be facing in your life today. See, it all began when hope was planted in her mind. 
Then in 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 8 talks about put on the helmet of hope or put on hope as a helmet. Do you know we're in a spiritual battle? We all understand that, don't we? Guess what? In this battle, Satan is assailing your mind constantly. He is assailing your minds with doubt, with fear, with despair, with hopelessness, with defeat. And, and it just floods your mind. It floods your mind. It floods your mind. It's just attacking you right now. It's, it's just it's coming at you every day. My question is, what are you doing to stop it? Are you putting on that helmet of hope to protect your mind? Because if you are not, he's going to take you down. He's going to rob you of hope. He's going to rob you of the future. He's going to rob you of faith. And so you've got to learn to put on this helmet of hope. And often that's putting on the word of God. You know, in the last week, and I had one of those good weeks and bad weeks all together. Anyone know what I'm talking about? It was one of those weeks. So I had about four challenging situations. And I remember in a couple of them that I was just finding, you know, anxiety was getting into my heart. I remember saying to God, you know, based on the scripture, I said, God, I choose to trust you. I choose to trust you in this situation. And, and it was like a helmet. My heart changed, my uh, peace came, and God worked on my behalf. What did I do? I put on a helmet. There was another situation that I was thinking, man, this is a tough one to get through, God. I, I need your help. And so I said, God, you know, according to your scripture, I ask for your grace. Would you just give me a, a fresh measure of grace into my heart? And sure enough, God gave me that grace, and I was able to get through that situation. Friends, what was I doing? The enemy was assailing me with doubts and fears and anxiety and worry. And I didn't just sit back and take it on the chin and say, oh, well, you know, let's just hang out and get through this over the next three months, six months, or however long it's going to last. I thought, no. No, I'm putting on a helmet of hope. I'm going to protect my mind. Satan, you're not going to have access. You're not going to just throw any fiery dart at me and I'm going to swallow it up and get messed up and mucked around and, and, and defeated. No, I put on that helmet of hope, friends, and it changed the entire situation. Satan could not get the better of me in those circumstances. Put on the helmet of hope. Often it's the word of God that you need to put on. You know, like Romans 8, 28, you know, something, whatever you're going through today, if you put on that helmet of hope, all things work together for good for them that love God. Bang, it's going to change how you feel. Or you just start saying, you know, Psalm 23, verse 6, surely goodness and mercy is going to follow me all the days of my life. Do you know what that's going to do for you? It's going to fill you with hope. It's just the way it works. And so you're countering the attacks of Satan with this helmet that you're putting on your head. Finally, as we close, the fourth thing that can fill you with hope is the promises of God. In Genesis, in chapter 12, verses 1 to 3, Abraham is given the promise, and I'll, I'll finish at the end. It says, I'll bless those who bless you, curse those who curse you, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So God's going to make him a great nation. He's going to make him a father of nations. So he gets a promise. And you know, whenever you get a promise from God, it fills you with hope. Yeah. You know, God's given this church a wonderful promise, new era. Fills you with hope, acceleration and expansion. It just fills me with hope all the time because, you know, it's a promise from God. But what Abraham found was that in his journey of faith, he just kept confronting negative and discouraging circumstances. Even though God had promised him things like this, you know, this is going to give him a, a, make him a father of nations. When he got to the land, God promised him, he found the enemy was already there. The Canaanites were there. Have you ever found that? God gives you a promise and then you hit an obstacle? And you think, hey, hold a minute, God, what's, what's the deal here? You know, there's your promise, and now I've got an obstacle. 
But he had that. Then his herdsmen and Lot's herdsmen start to fight. It takes Sarah forever, you know, to get pregnant. He has problems all around, around the place. Then there's a famine in the land. So over and over again, uh, Abraham has got the promise. He hits obstructions. But each time, well, not every time, but in many t- cases, what God does, he gives him another promise. Gives him another promise. And I found that in my life. I have a promise. You know, things go a bit astray and I'll get another challenge and God will come back and give you another promise to renew it. I want to encourage you. See, promises fill us with hope. Where do you get promises? Well, it's a broken record, isn't it? She's got to be reading the book. Anyone who will be a student of the book will be filled with the promises of God. You'll get them on a regular basis. And God will give you some promises today that are going to get you ready for what's ahead in a month's time. Read the book, receive the promises of God. So today, ask God for a promise. Then go home, read the book, and see if he'll give you one. Or recall a promise that he's already given you, and put that in your heart and in your mind as well. Friends, we're in a new era of hope. It's a new era of hope, and God is going to pour hope into our hearts that are going to energize us, that are going to empower us to push through all opposition into a place of victory, and you are going to fulfill all that God has planned and purposed and destined for your life. There is coming an anointing and an impartation of hope into the hearts of God's people. And I prophesy over every one of you today, surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. Surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. Surely goodness and mercy will follow you, every one of you, all the days of your life. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing, and may you abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Musicians, please. Singers. Now, here's the key. The next 10 minutes is the absolute key. You can hear the message and go home with nothing. See, God confirms His Word. You preach and He confirms His Word. God wants to fill you with hope this morning. He wants to overflow you with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. He wants you to leave here today with more hope than which, with which you came in the doors. Please don't leave without receiving from heaven. You might say, I've got enough hope to keep me going. Hey, you don't know what's around the corner. God may want to give you a promise this morning. That's going to help you in the days that are ahead of you. So please, would you stand with me now? And we're going to sing it right from the top, the hope of all hearts. And as we do, why don't you lift your hearts, maybe lift your hands, begin to reach out to God and receive fresh hope this morning.